Hey there, you're listening to Deadhead Girl Talk, the podcast where women talk about the Grateful Dead and lots of other topics. I'm your host, Steph Terrace, here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and today I'm talking to my friend Elizabeth, who's another deadhead in Michigan, and I wanted to invite Elizabeth on the show as one of my first guests because she and I share a love of dancing at shows, and that just is my favorite thing to do at a dead show, and I think it's probably one of Elizabeth's favorite things, too. We'll find out. Um, But I want to start by telling the story of how we met, which is also one of my favorite stories about my life as a deadhead. I first saw you, Elizabeth, um, dancing at a Tedeschi Trucks show, and I was up on the lawn um, up the hill, and I was dancing with my husband, Jeff, and we didn't have very many people dancing around us, so we kind of stuck out as being the sort of enthusiastic couple up on the lawn, shaking our booty. And I looked down and I could see this woman dancing kind of maybe in the last row of the pavilion, which is why I could see you so easily. And you were just so enthusiastic and such a good dancer. And I just turned to Jeff and I said, I wish I was dancing with that woman. Not that I wasn't happy to dance with Jeff, but I wanted you to be part of the dance too. Um, And you looked like you were having such a good time. And I couldn't even see you that well, but somehow I had imprinted on my mind who you were and what you looked like. And then I'm thinking it was the next summer when we went to Wrigley Field in Chicago. And when Jeff and I got there, we had tickets for the to be down on the field. And we were looking around like, is there a place here where the chairs are a little less in the way of dancing? And we saw this little spot where because of the shape of the field, they had the rows end and there was like this little triangle of floor without any chairs on it. And so we just hightailed it over there when, you know, it was way before the show was going to start and sat down to say, oh, this will be our dance floor tonight. And before very long, here you came. And I just immediately recognized you. And I just thought this, my dream come true. And here is the dancer who I want to dance with. And I just felt like that was one of those perfect Grateful Dead, you know, magic stories that then we got to dance together. And the fun thing for me was that like, we had a great time. We talked a little bit, but mostly we just danced. And then we didn't like even share contact info. And we just assumed we would run into each other again, which of course we have at a Marcus King show. And then the next time at Wrigley Field, we just ended up in that same spot. And I just knew you would find me. I don't know why I knew. Did you Did you know that we would probably just find each other again? I thought that it was just so fun hearing like first of all that you had seen me at that first Tedeschi truck show that was the year that the North Mississippi All-Stars and Los Lobos played on their Wheels of Steel tour that's right yeah oh my gosh that was such a great show and then when we met at Wrigley Field that was just so fun to make that connection and again the following year at Wrigley Field again, we saw you, and also at the Tedeschi Truck Show at um, Meadowbrook. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and again, so, we hadn't planned ahead. We just kept running into each other. I think it was at that point we became friends on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We were finally like, okay, I guess this is meant to be. And thank goodness. 
Well, what I wanted to just ask you, like, I know some of the ways that dancing makes me feel, you know, and I don't have any background in dancing or anything like that. I just love to close my eyes and feel the music and I can't help but move. And I just wondered if you would talk a little about like, what, what do you think about when you're dancing or how has dancing become such an important part of your experience of music? Well, I took a lot of dance lessons as a kid. Ah. I did ballet, I did jazz, I did modern, and, you know, I was not super graceful. I was like, I, I tried out for cheerleading, and, you know, I'm kind of old, I'm going to be 54, and when I was in high school, you know, cheerleaders were super stiff, like you mm-hmm. look back how cheerleaders used to move. And I never, I never once got, you know, picked for like, oh, you're going to be on the cheerleading team or never for the dance thing for the high school musicals. I could never believe it because I had so much dance background. And where I say I wasn't graceful, like I'm talking like on point, Mm -hmm. but you know that I love dancing and it's part of like, I become, I feel like the music becomes me when I'm dancing. And for me, culturally, what the big game changer was, was when In Living Color came out and there were Fly Girls. Ah. And the Fly Girls changed everything. Like all of a sudden I had found my like that's how I danced. I was a fly girl, you know. So I'm um, growing up in Detroit in the 80s. I felt like all of a sudden I had found the the type of dance and the movement, like hip hop dancing. Um, that was what really blew the the door open for me as far as dancing in public goes. Because before that, it was just like old school white people dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, like weird, super weird, in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> like a really uptight man. <laughs> and so then um, how does that relate to dancing at Grateful Dead shows? How Can you tell me more of that story then? Well, yeah, I, I'm an accidental deadhead. Okay. I, I did not grow up with a family that listened to the Grateful Dead. My dad, um, I think my dad was like Judy Collins and Patsy Cline kind of stuff. And my mom was the Beatles and Paul Simon. And I was growing up in Detroit in the 80s and I was a little punk rocker. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the Velvet Underground and uh, more garage type music, rockabilly. And I was went away to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to go to college up at Northern Michigan. And I had some friends in the dorm that were like, hey, we've got an extra ticket. We're going to go see the dead in Milwaukee. Want to come? And I was like, sure. I'd listened to Europe 72 at this point. Mm-hmm. Like that was all I knew about the Grateful Dead was Europe 72. And so I got in the car with them and we're driving on the you know, the west coast of Lake Michigan to get down to Milwaukee. And I was like, what is going on here? Why are we listening to all these live Grateful Dead tapes on the way? Like, I was like, are we going to listen to the Pixies or something? Like, (laughs) you know, like, what's going on? And I had no idea. Like, I was 
so such a newbie. I had not gotten on the bus mm-hmm. for sure. And so we got to Milwaukee and I started looking around and I was like, oh yeah, you know, cause I already kind of had the dress code down, you know, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, you know, as, as far as being a punk rocker, I never wore black. It's really unflattering. I'm super vain. So I was wearing, you know, the fringe jackets and stuff like that. But like when we got to Milwaukee and I started seeing all these hippies and I was like, yeah, yeah. And we went into the Coliseum that night and it was like the mothership landed and I got on. Mm. And from there on out, like the rest is history, you know, like I incorporated the Grateful Dead into my musical repertoire and it was so fun. I've seen them on the West Coast. I saw them a bunch on a bunch on the West Coast. I saw them on the East Coast. Um, and you know, everybody there is dancing and doing their own thing. Like really nobody cares what anybody's doing. Yep. And I loved that. I loved that everybody there was feeling free enough to express themselves without the concern of like what that person over there was thinking. Yeah. Do you dance with your eyes closed? Sometimes. Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes, um, but sometimes I kind of get the spins, so it's better to keep them open. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. What was it th- uh, that happened that made you say, this is the ship I'm getting on? I think it was really just the people that I kept meeting through the scene, uh-huh. you know? So after, you know, I'm at college and I you know, summer came and I got a job working out at Glacier National Park at Lake McDonald Lodge for the summer. And I met a few other deadheads out there and we had a blast. I mean, you know, this was the late eighties. Weed was certainly not legal anywhere, but, you know, we determined that we were going to find some cannabis and we drove two and a half hours South to Missoula to look for a hippie. it's the nearest college town there's gotta be somebody there that smokes pot so um i just think it was like the sense of adventure that came along with the grateful dead scene like people just being like yeah we're going to the we're doing tour you Mm -hmm. know just taking off and going to night after night of shows like Like I said, at first I was like, what is this? Why are we listening to all these live dead shows? And then I just told it clicked into place for me pretty quick, you know, and I met a nice young deadhead boy out at Glacier National Park. And I ended up, you know, visiting with him in Boston. He was from Boston and we went to some dead shows out there and, you know, it just, it, it was just so cool because it seemed like no matter what city that you saw the dead in, even though there were all these different people, there was all this, this big heartedness and full frontal rainbow. I mean, tie dyes and colors and, you know, I certainly was enjoying the psychedelics and the, just, I really was having fun. Mm-hmm. Did you end up going on tour, so to speak, where you just followed them for a season or? 
No, I, you know, I eventually, uh, I eventually moved to the West Coast. And so I was living, uh, I, I lived in Northern Washington and then Eugene, Oregon, and then eventually Berkeley, California. And so I would do small West Coast tours. I would never go to Vegas because mm-hmm. everything in Las Vegas was a felony except for dumpster diving. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to Vegas. So I, uh, I, uh, but I did like the Sacramento shows, the LA shows, Eugene with the camping shows. Mm. Oh, those were so fun. Were you a camping kind of person before that? To have No. Uh-huh. No, I'm, I'm still not a camping kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> but my boyfriend at the time had a Volkswagen van, so I didn't ah. really have to. There was no tenting. That's very convenient. It was. It was. I'm not a tent camper at all. But you do also have a very wide range of musical interests to this day, not just the dead. I imagine you didn't yourself take up playing all those tapes all the time. Um so, and when I've gotten to know you, you've actually, I think you're the first person who told me about Billy Strings before I was even, you know, aware of him. Um, how did your sort of musical interests continue to develop over those years? College radio. Uh-huh. You know, I'm a big fan of college radio. Um, I live in Kalamazoo right now, and we have a great college radio station, and I I listen to it all the time. I mean, it's, it's thank God for Shazam, you know, cause really the, I'll go months without hearing the same song twice. Mm. And I, I like that. I'm really okay with that. I love having new music, music that I, I may not even like it, but I'm only going to hear it once. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I love college radio. Um, so that's really my thing. Or I, I also work at a couple historic theaters here in town as an usher. And we have a few microbreweries here that also, um, before COVID, had a lot of really great shows coming through. And so I will just go to shows. I don't need to know anything about the music because I don't, I, that's fine. That's kind of the fun part of it, you know? Yeah. What are you looking for from the experience of live music? Is it always about dancing or is it a bigger experience? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty much about dancing. You know, that's always my thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, some, sometimes I meet people, but I, I don't drink alcohol. So usually by the end of the night, I can be on a different wavelength than pretty much everyone else in the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, because they've all had three or four or five pints and I'm down in water. So um, I may meet people and I may not. It's not really important to me um, too much that I come away with like somebody's phone number. Like for, it was really cool. Like, you know, with you and I, it was because we kept bumping into each other. You know, it was like me, you and Jeff, it was like, boom, boom, boom. We just kept seeing each other at all these shows. And eventually it was like, oh yeah, we're like, we're we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, that's how you know? it felt to me too. Mm-hmm. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was dressing for shows. You know, I always liked the idea of having a kind of a fun, beautiful hippie outfit. 
but I dance so hard that really I just need to dress for like a workout. <laughs> uh huh. Do you Absolutely. have any thoughts on like how you think about your clothes in order to be prepared to dance? <laughs> well, in the same way, yes. I, uh, it has to be comfortable. It can't be tight. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have been known to have like a second little pack that I take with me, especially if I'm going to an out of town show that like I will have like another pair of underwear and a bra in it. And when I've gone through security, I've had the people look at me and I'm like, I got to change before I leave the venue. Cause I'm going to be dancing. <laughs> And I am not driving three hours home in some wet drawers. That's not happening. And they're like, okay, lady, (laughs) you know, like this isn't my first rodeo. I mean, I could always change in a parking garage, but that gets kind of sketchy, you know? Right. (laughs) Good plan. (laughs) Now, I also remember that you are pretty careful about wearing earplugs, right? Mm, Yes, definitely. Well, because I'm hard of hearing now. Oh, I have I have had hearing damage because, you know, for probably the first 20, 25 years, 20 years I went to shows, I was the freaker down by the speaker, especially the punk rock shows. I loved feedback. I would stand in front of the speaker with feedback and it just like hit all the pleasure buttons in my body. I loved it. So now I'm. I have definitely impacted my hearing. And, you know, I think my daughter always thought that I was kind of making it up until we were somewhere and she was behind me and she was just saying, mom, mom, mom. And I couldn't, I didn't hear her. She was Uh like, oh my my God, really? Like my mom really didn't hear me. So she wears earplugs at shows and she's, you know, we've been doing shows together for the last, I think like four years since she, you know, got out of the military and, um, she has always worn earplugs and she's gotten her friend group to wear earplugs. Her boyfriend wears earplugs. Like she's like, don't end up like my mom. You know? <laughs> That's a good lesson. <laughs> it is. Now, did you take your kids when they were little to see music? I did. And, um, we we took them to the Further Fest at Pine Knob. I don't know. Did you do any of those? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the specific one, but yes, we did see some of that. Yeah, so I, I took her to that. I took the kids to that and because um, I have a son also who's a couple years younger. And, um, you know, she didn't start really hanging out with me until after she got out of the military. And she's like in her mid twenties or something. Yeah. Yeah. She, right out of high school, you know, cause what do you do? How do you rebel when your parents are hippies? Right. You know, cause her dad's a fish head and a deadhead, and I'm a deadhead. Fish is okay, but not really my super thing, you know? And, uh, so, you know, she joined the military. Both of my kids joined the military. My mom, my mom was like, how weird. I thought they'd go corporate. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Which there's still time for that. They may, you know, but, um, but when she moved back to the area, I just, uh, cause I always, I buy tickets. I buy tickets for everything. I sometimes I'll go to shows a pre COVID. I was going to shows three or four nights a week. Mm-hmm. Cause like I said, I'll go see everything. I'll go see anything. It, you know, it's, it's great. I'll just go experience music. So it wasn't 
you know, a big deal for me to buy an extra ticket. And it's just so much fun having her around. I mean, I can just remember the first show that I took her to at a microbrewery here in Kalamazoo. And we had so much fun. And she was like, oh my God, that was so great. And then I was like, well, I hope you're ready because in two nights we got another show across the street. And she was like, oh my God, like I can, I can do this every night. I can have this much fun every night. And it's like, yes, you can. It's a workout, right? I mean, some people go to the gym and we go dance to live music. And she dances too. She likes to do the same kind of dancing. She's learned well. (laughs) Oh my God, she's so cute. We had so much fun at Hoxieville this last weekend um, where we got to see Billy Strings. It was so fun. And it's just so great to see her feel so comfortable in her body and expressing herself through her dance, you know. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's my kid. That is wonderful. I know I was talking about dance recently with somebody, a woman who said she was self-conscious and never would dance because, you know, I guess she just had grown up feeling like that made her feel embarrassed. And I, I didn't know how to express like my sense that I just don't have that feeling. Like it just is not part of my, you know, way of experiencing music. Like I find it irresistible. I can't not dance. And so I did say to her, I said, you know, I think I just close my eyes and pretend that I'm the best dancer in the room. Like, not that it matters. I don't need to be the best dancer. But like by just saying in my head that I'm so cool here on the dance floor, like then I can just let it all go and I don't worry about anything. So I'm so happy that your daughter also has just taken on that feeling. It was um, really fun at this music festival. She brought a friend of hers and it was their first festival. And he's a young man with a very professional job and pretty buttoned up, you know. And so Mm -hmm. the first night of Billy Strings, you know, it was getting cold. It's northern Michigan. Like we're seeing our breath, uh, you know, like and he was getting cold and and I was like, you know, if, if you just dance, you'll warm right up. And he wasn't, he wasn't having it night one. Mm, mm-hmm. Nope. That wasn't part of the plan, but night two happened. And I don't know if it was the, you know, liquid lubrication, but you know, he started bouncing his head and all of a sudden he's starting to move. And I kind of elbowed my daughter. I'm like, check it out. Like, there's there's some movement happening over <laughs> here and you know like before we knew it like he was literally jumping up and down and having a blast yeah he broke on through to the other side like he's a dancer now <laughs> you know like he like Billy Strings did it for him it was really cool to watch somebody who was not very comfortable in his body at that moment, all of a sudden, just really have a great time dancing and have such a fun time. And, you know, we were all dancing together as a group and it was a blast. That is such a great story. It's sort of like the butterfly coming out of the cocoon. Seriously. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. You know, I was so excited for him to have that experience. I was so excited to to witness it and Mm -hmm. to to be a part of that for, you know, I mean, it's just always so fun when 
you are a part of that with someone witnessing yeah. somebody unshackling themselves from their, you know, self-perceived, uh, you know, anchors that are holding them back from full physical and mental and spiritual expression of their joy to the music. Absolutely. And really, you've given him a gift for the rest of his life because I hope so. That won't have to be there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They were going to go to summer camp this uh, this last weekend, but due to the rise in this Delta variant, they sold their tickets. But I think that they'll probably we're going to see some shows at some of the outdoor venues at the microbreweries here in the fall. Hopefully if, yeah. if you know, we'll There'll see be more opportunities for him to solidify that new <laughs> spirit. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break. Once I had a girlfriend, she meant the world to me. She went down to deep Ellum. Now she ain't what she used to be. Sweet mama, daddy's got them deep alum blues. Oh, sweet mama, daddy's got them deep alum blues. So we were talking about Hoxieville um, before, and you had told me that you were doing massage behind the in backstage, is that right? So massage is your profession, is that right? Yeah, I've been a licensed massage therapist for over 25 years now, and I love it. It's a wonderful, it's it's a great profession for me. I own my own business, and I have done massage therapy in the artist hospitality area of the Hoxieville Music Festival for 12 or 13 years now. And it's just, I, I love it. You know, I love being able to give back to the musicians, you know, they come and they give us so much. They stand there in that hot sun or in the pouring rain or whatever Northern Michigan is going to give us that weekend. And, um, to be able to, to give that back to them is just a really wonderful thing. And to do it to live music because, you know, I'll usually shut my my business, my tent down before the headliner comes on, but I work all day up to that point. And it's just so fun getting to hear the bands from behind the stage. It's not too loud, you know, I'm getting mm-hmm. a little old. Sometimes it gets a little loud, but it was, it's, um, you know, each band is different and has a different feel and it's really fun to do massage therapy to live music. And I have had so much feedback over the years from the musicians who love to receive the massage to the live music and how for them, it really amplifies the benefits. Can you, I would love for you to try to explain to me what is happening in your body or in your mind when you're massaging and music is happening at the same time, what, you know, how does that affect you? Well, um, when it's the live music like that, it's just, it's, I just find that I'm in the moment, almost like I am in the field when I'm dancing, Mm -hmm. you know, 
And, and there is some of that jam that's happening, you know, that like, I feel like my hands are dancing across the person that's on the table. And it's, um, it's just really cool to have that rhythm and that energy that's coming from the stage and having it come through me and have the person on the table receiving it in that way. That is so great. I would never have thought of that. Yeah, this last weekend, one of the one of the musicians who was on the table was like, I can't believe I'm getting a massage to this band. Like this is the perfect, this is the perfect moment for me to be getting this massage. And it was so cool. And what a rewarding thing for you too to be able to give in that way. Yeah. I look forward to it every year. I bet. I bet. <laughs> Um, is there anything else about your creative life or the way you've, you've developed your own life that you think is related to your discovery of the Grateful Dead or of, you know, jam bands in general, or I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Um, I, you know, that's an interesting question. I would have to imagine that for me, it really broke me out of uh maybe a societal mode thinking like I had to have a nine to five job Mm -hmm. you know like I know there's plenty of deadheads that do have nine to five jobs and then they step away and they you know they have their you know their mini tours or they go to a show or whatever but for me it it's like I have this whole lifestyle of, 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 I guess, you know, like everything is work and everything is play. Mm -hmm. Like my, my work is my work, but it's, I love doing it so much that it's also kind of my play. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely think being part of the dead scene as a younger person um that helped develop that you know when I first like started going to dead shows on the west coast where I was like definitely living there I wasn't like visiting somebody out east or whatever but I had put down my roots on the west coast you know I was vending at dead shows you know so I was selling jewelry or or pipes or whatever you know and um and so that going to the shows also became my work. Mm -hmm. And so that has translated to now here I am in my fifties. And, and, you know, when I go to a music festival and I'm doing massage, it's also going to the shows and going to work. And it's pretty, pretty cool. And do you think maybe you sort of discovered that you could give yourself permission to make your life this way, that, that, that allowed you to imagine that that was a doable thing? Um, I don't think that I could ever imagine having a regular job. <laughs> yeah. so I don't know that I ever gave myself permission. I think I would have been a complete failure at a desk <laughs> job. <laughs> you know, I don't even know. Like, I think at one point there was like one time where I had like a desk job for like three weeks. And I was like, please transfer me to a different department. And they transferred me to like working outside building. Mm -hmm. I was like building 
food boxes for state parks in California so that the bears couldn't get to them in campgrounds. Cause I was like, I can't stuff envelopes. I'm, I'm going to go postal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like literally I can't do this. And so I, I'm just, really grateful that I discovered this about myself mm-hmm. and figured out a way to make it work. Yeah. And found a, a way to do work that you love, that you're well suited to, that you were able to raise a family with. Yes. That is really great. And I just wanted to ask you one last question about flowers, because now that we are Facebook friends, I see you post these wonderful <laughs> flower bouquets and pictures I think of your garden and I just wondered if you'd tell me a little about what flowers mean to you in your life oh my gosh well you know it's it's you know so many people consider cut flowers to be a luxury and you know okay so I have a garden I have a tremendous garden I have a huge perennial gardens I should say I have beds and beds and beds of them and Um, I rarely cut those. I actually just leave those so that as I'm walking through my yard, there's always flowers in bloom Mm -hmm. Um, because I love, I I love, it's like a a yard of tie-dye, you know, it's like a tie-dye in my yard, you know, (laughs) it's so great. And I, there's a flower farm here in my area that I have a CSA to. I prepay at the beginning of the season and every week I get those bouquets delivered to me. And it is phenomenal. Before the pandemic happened, I would go down to the farmer's market and I would pick them up there. But now that we're living 18 months into COVID, um, I get them delivered to my house. And, you know, I just feel like it's really, uh, like a necessary thing for me. Like some people think that I'm being extravagant, you know, like, oh, you get yourself these flowers every week. But I'm thinking, well, who else would get me these flowers every week? Because <laughs> I'm going to have flowers every week. Who's going to get them for me? And it's me, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, I just insist on certain things that, like, if I feel that it's going to affect my mental health in a positive way, then it's kind of a necessity for my mental health. And so it's just a really wonderful thing to come home and I have flowers in my living room and flowers in my bedroom and flowers in my bathroom. And, you know, I don't have a big place. It's maybe 900 square feet and I have lots of bouquets. It's wonderful. That is. And plus you're supporting flower growers and that's a pretty wonderful thing to do. It really is. You know, when, when fall at the end of the season and then I like when spring starts up again, it's always the best when I start getting my flowers again. Like that's, you know, it's like winter. It's like everything goes dormant. Everything settles down. And then as spring happens, the colors start to come back in and it's just so wonderful. And I think that is one of the things I love best about you know, the dead scene in general and going to shows is just the color, like you say, just that it's a feast for the eyes to see all that color. Um, yeah, my house is definitely full frontal rainbow. You know, like I have my house is color, 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 color. All the walls are white, but I have lots of artwork and, you know, oriental rugs and you know, different colored furniture and quilts. And I mean, holy smokes, you know, like if you walked into my, my office is very muted colors and very peaceful. And I always 
feel like if a client were to come to my house, that it would almost be like coming out of the closet because there's just so much going on here. (laughs) And I love it. I love it. Like, you know, I just visited my son for the, you know, first time in like a year and a half earlier this summer, and he's got a very nice place, but it's very subdued color wise. And I was there for like, you know, almost two weeks and I walked into my house and it was this explosion of color. And I just felt myself relax and go like, yes, this is what I need, you know? I love that description because I feel actually Jeff and I had a couple of days away up north this summer and we just stayed in like a little mom and pop motel. And I told him, I was like, I just want to go home where everything is so much more vibrant and alive. (laughs) I just felt like I couldn't even stand being in a motel room. (laughs) Yes. Compared to the home I've created for myself, which is very similar to what you're describing, just colors (laughs) and patterns and flowers in every room. So, so great. I guess that is a legacy of the discoveries we've made about what matters to us in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that was most of the things I wanted to ask you about. Is there anything else, Elizabeth, that you wanted to share on Deadhead Girl Talk? Hmm. Well, I hope I get to see you at the Clarkston shows in a month or so. I hope so, too. I'm hoping that will work for us and we will find one another and dance together. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for the great conversation. Thank you. It's been really fun. Deadhead Girl Talk is produced by Steph Terrace, that's me, with my audio engineer, Liam Cadle. Our awesome original music is performed by Sally Van Meter, Casey Groves, and Abigail Washburn, and engineered by Eric Wiggs. Art for the show is created by Lisa Effen Armstrong and by Sparkles Kate. You can follow us on Twitter at Deadhead Talk.